Anyways, as we were walking out, and actually I was talking to my husband and saying, the next movie we go to is going to be a chick flick, okay? I'm just saying, I, I do like going to these movies with the boys. But anyways, this one was over the top. But uh, as we returned to our car... Wonder Woman. Oh, great. Terrific. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> I've already been invited. Yes. Um, yeah, chick flick. Absolutely. Okay, another action show. Another cartoon drama. Anyways, um, when we got back to our car, it happened that someone left the lights on, not mentioning any names, David, uh, and so we had a dead battery. And so we were all kind of the fam and me, and I'm on the phone trying to reach Daniel because he was home with Grace, and uh, you know what we're looking for, right? Jumpstart. Well, just at exactly the right time, this woman comes walking up with a friend, a friend jumps in her car, she, she comes to her big, beautiful white truck, and I'm like, oh, salvation is here. Hey, can you give us a jump? And she's like, no, I would not be comfortable with that. And jumps in, in her truck and I was and my son Davy's like wow that was honest and she heard him say that and I guess her window was down as she screeched off she yells back no not wow whatever that means I don't know but she was really I think maybe defensive I don't know uh, but she certainly didn't want to help us and I can only guess that maybe she felt threatened you know, sometimes when we get asked for something and we don't want to give it, we kind of have to build up the defenses and justify, like, why we're not, you know, jumping in to help. And so, uh, anyways, I, I don't know why she responded that way or felt that way, but she certainly wasn't a good neighbor. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And for some reason, she didn't want to take the risk of helping a stranger because love requires risk, doesn't it? To take action on behalf of others does require risk, and it's so easy for us to feel sometimes threatened. And resisting the requirement of sacrificing our own self-interest sometimes. We're going to have four points today with our, with our message about loving the nations. We're going to talk about the cost of love. We're going to talk about the plan to love, the opportunity for love, and the power to love. But before we do, let's just pray for a moment together, shall we? Lord, thank you that you are in the business of changing our hearts. God, we need you. I ask, oh Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us today. And that you would also give us, Lord, the power to act. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it was mentioned last week, the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to I mention it again this morning. I want to look at it again this morning. The story is about a man who was beaten and left to die. Two others, two, two men walked past him and, and did nothing. And then Jesus says, but a Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And at the end of the story, Jesus tells his disciples, go and do likewise. 
And so my question this morning is, what, what exactly are we to do likewise? What are we supposed to imitate that the Good Samaritan did? I noticed right away that it costs the Good Samaritan a great deal to love the fallen man. I noticed he went over. I noticed he used his own resources, pouring in oil and wine and bandage. I noticed he put the man on his own donkey. I noticed he, he brought him to a place where he could be cared for and paid the full expense that would be incurred as well as any additional costs. He saw the person. Not only did he see him, but he reached out. He walked across the street. He went to where the person was, and he did what he could, and he gave what he had. And this is the example that we're told to imitate. When we consider what the Good Samaritan did, it becomes clear that we're being asked to sacrifice on behalf of others. We're being asked to give. We're being asked to give our time, our resources, our energy, and our cold, hard cash. For example, it's, it's going to be costly for us. Even if we want to do something as simple as invite a new neighbor over to our home, we're going to have to let go of some of our priorities for that day because we know usually we've got to clean the house and as well as prepare the food. If we're going to donate to an organization that, that saves lives and helps people, we're going to have to give up a little bit of our funds that are probably already earmarked for our own self-interest, our own desires, our own needs, our own wants. And so sacrifice is going to be involved if we're going to go and do likewise, like Jesus is asking us to do. As Derwin said last week, we're pretty good at loving ourselves. One of my former teachers coined the phrase, and we use it in our family, I fell in love with myself at an early age, and I've managed to maintain the relationship ever since. <laughs> and so we're pretty good at, at loving ourselves. So I think it's important to recognize that battle of self-interest that, that we are in any time we even see a need or notice someone near or far that is a neighbor that, that, that needs our love. Dr. Martin Luther King said this about the two different attitudes in the story of the Good Samaritan. The first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? The Good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And so there's the shift that, that we need to make there's, there's this shift for us. Instead of thinking what will happen to me, we need to turn to the other and think about what will happen to the other. Thankfully, that night that we were at the movie, th there, were, there were some more people that came along who were more in that second vein, who were thinking more about what will happen to the other. They were more concerned about others than themselves. And so without even being asked, they noticed the hood up and us milling about and right away was like, hey, you need a jump? It was remarkable, the contrast. I mean, these two separate cars, loads of people were both just saying, hey, how can we help? Obviously, you need, you need some help. And so I just couldn't help but notice that contrast between those who were thinking about others. And so it is going to cost us, 
and we are going to have to battle that, that self-interest, that, that, that love for ourselves and our own needs that ri rises up. Point number two, the plan to love. God's plan to bless the nations. Let's consider God's intention for the nations. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that he intends to bless the nations. We see in Genesis 12 and verse 3 that all people on earth will be blessed through Abraham. It was never meant to be a small exclusive club, but it was meant, the blessing that God gave to Abraham was meant to be poured out upon the nations. Again, later, after the offering of Isaac, Abraham is told by God, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, and so are we. Abraham's family and nation was the, the nation through whom Christ came. Christ descended from Abraham. And all nations will be blessed by the love of God that was displayed in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. We know it's God's plan to bless the nations, and we also know that he will accomplish his plan, because we're given a glimpse of it in Revelation. We're given a glimpse of what it's going to look like at the end of the age. In Revelation 7 and verse 9, it says, John, seeing the vision, says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This is our expectation. This is what we, what, what we are promised that we will see in heaven before the Lamb. Every nation, tribe, and people. And so God's plan to love and bless the nations has been made clear in Scripture it has also made clear that we are to seize our opportunity to love the nations. Point number three, the opportunity to love. There's no question that God has blessed us as Christians and as Canadians. And we see in scripture that when we are blessed, our blessing is meant to be shared. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 67. If you'd like a Bible, just raise your hand and uh, the ushers would be happy to give you one. Psalm 67. We could read all of it. Um, I just want to read, first of all, the first couple of verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Do you notice the so that? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that it turns into a prayer. Lord, your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. Down in, in verse 7 again, may God bless us still so that all nations of the earth will fear him. The prayer in this, in this psalm is that God would bless his people so that the nations will be reached. The blessing that we receive from God is meant to be shared. 
We're meant to be good Samaritans. We're meant to share the blessings that we receive from God and really to be the most generous people on earth. But we need to notice the needs, don't we? We need to somehow wake up from our preoccupation. I know I am often so preoccupied, especially this week when I'm working on a sermon. Wherever I go, I'm just kind of reviewing my sermon and, 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 and thinking about it. And Dave catches me in this all the time, asks me as we're driving in the car, what are you working on right now? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do it a lot. And I'm so preoccupied that sometimes I'm not even seeing the people that are around me, the people that are there and, and waiting and, and looking for a blessing, a relationship, a kind word. In order to share our blessings, we do need to, to push past ourselves and towards others. We need to actually see people, especially from other nations, who are near and who are far. We need to first start by actually seeing them. Unless we look with intention, we, we just might not see them, even though we do want to be looking for them. In the latest episode of Sherlock, the latest Sherlock series, um, the one on, on TV, they're, they're, Sherlock is trying to get into this prison that is, that is on an, an island. It's, it's the only thing on this little island is this prison. And I, in case you haven't seen it, I won't tell you why he's going there, but he's going to this, to this prison and... They know he's coming. They know he's actually landed on the island. And so they're watching for him, and they're trying to prevent him from entering this prison because they want to prevent him from what he wants to do in this prison. And so what he does is he, he gets this fisherman to dress up like Sherlock, and, and then the fisherman and Holmes walk in, and he walks in with, him, with them dressed up like a prison guard. And so, of course, the people just take the would-be Sherlock and Holmes, and Sherlock himself, dressed up like, like the prison guard, just walks right into the prison and right to the place that he needs to go. They didn't see him. He's known for his disguises anyways, but they didn't see him because of what he was wearing. He had a uniform on. All they saw was the uniform. I wonder how often we don't see people because of the uniform that they're wearing, the manner of dress or the nationality. Maybe we just see that and we don't actually see the person. Recently at church, as I think most, many of you will know, we had the opportunity to uh, help out with the, with the refugee housing crisis here in Coquitlam. We contributed financially to the project, uh, many worked on the renovation, and this, this invitation lined up with our mission, which is to bring God's healing, hope, and compassion to the Tri-Cities and beyond. That's, that's the mission that we're on, and so it became so obvious, like, yes, this lines right up with, with our mission, and it, and it lined up, I could tell, with the heart of our church to, to reach out and to help where there is need. And so 
um, just two weeks ago, the, the projects are complete, and so just two weeks ago, um, I had the privilege with a, a few others who had worked on the, on the house. I wasn't actually one who had worked on the house, but I, I did bring coffee. That was my uh, entrance ticket, <laughs> sorry to say, that's all. But um, anyways, this lovely woman, Betul, made dinner for us um, to thank us for, for, renovating, for renovating this house. And then the city, they presented us with... Um, I've got it here. We'll hang it somewhere in the church. But they, they made this, the city made this lovely presentation to Hillside. And we all share in this, so I wanted to show you this this morning. And I just believe that we're, yeah, yay, church. And more to come, you know, because I know uh, Derwin has shared his, his heart that he feels God is leading us to do more and more for, for refugees. And so we're on the right track, and we're, we're going to keep going down that track. But I want to tell you for myself, when I first met Bichul um, a couple months ago, at first all I saw was the headscarf. You know, it just kind of at a glance, it was kind of that's the predominant thing, I'm sorry to say, that I, that I noticed about Bichul. But as soon as she started speaking, I saw her. I saw the person. I, I saw who she was. And then just recently when, when I was in her home once again for this beautiful dinner that she prepared for us, her and I shared a little more deeply. And I think we might have a photo um, of the evening, but uh, we shared a little more deeply and, you know, just about the struggle of being a working mom and, and what that's like and, and just our, our common humanity and, as women and mothers uh, we, we shared, and then I saw her even more clearly. I, I was able to really see who she was, and, and, and the connection went that much deeper. Yeah, wonderful person, and, and, and we're praying for her, and God has really provided for her abundantly, and I'm so glad that the church has been part of that. But I wonder, maybe at first that Samaritan that was walking by only saw the Jewish garb, after all, this was a person, this was a people group who despised Samaritans. They were at enmity. And maybe he just saw the Jewish garb, but somehow that Samaritan pushed through that so that he saw the human beneath the garb. And I think that's what God is calling us to do, is to make the most of the opportunities we have with the nations that are around us by just pressing in a little bit to see the people who are especially those who are different than us. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ, and we have an opportunity to be ambassadors in earnest in our own city because there are so many nations here, and we are meant to be a light to the nations as a church. We also can pray for people, even when we're with them. I know sometimes it's a stretch, especially if someone who is of a different faith than us, but the elders have sensed that at our church, people are going to come here and receive answers to prayer, and they're going to know that the, answer, that the prayers that are offered in this place are heard by God and answered, and that this is going to be part of our our character as a church, part of our DNA. But it's not just when they come here because we're the church wherever we are, right? And so 
When we're with people, when we're out, and when we start to see someone and start to notice them and press past our own self-interest to try to reach them and connect with them and, and bless them, one of the ways that we can bless them is by actually just saying, can I pray for you? If we can just muster up the courage to do it, we believe God will answer that prayer. And what a testimony, what a blessing that we can pass on that, that blessing that we have of knowing God. And so praying for others is another opportunity that we have to share the blessing of God. I want to tell you about how God turned my own heart towards a particular people group that I had previously been basically pretty blind to. It began with prayer, like so many good things do. Uh, it began just by praying for the land and praying for the church and praying that God would be more evident among us than he is now and that he would, he would move in power and that people would really see God in the church and, and beyond the church wherever we are. And I was just praying for this land. And then I began to sense that maybe there had been some things that happened on this land that had not been rectified yet regarding the First Nations perhaps a massacre. I'm not really sure what happened, but I sense that there had been some things that had not been rectified and had not been made right, and that the land actually can, we know, cry out for justice, the, the Bible tells us. And so it was with these thoughts in mind that I went to Kelowna to a conference. And at that conference, sure enough, there was this big drum there. And it was a, it was a Christian conference. Uh, it was a real worship conference. And there was this big First Nations drum there that took four people at a time to play it. And this drum, like the beat of this drum, was just like resonating with my heart and, and actually expanding my heart for the First Nations as it, as it was played over and over again through all the songs through the several days of this conference. And I, I just found myself crying out, Lord, what are you calling me to? And then one morning when I was out for a run, God kind of drop something into my heart and into my mind. Do you know when God tells you something and it would take you kind of hours to explain what he said in just that moment? He, he's such a great communicator and he can speak to us so clearly and just give us an idea or a thought and, and it's so thorough and complete that it, it takes a long time to explain it. So I'm not going to go into too much detail this morning about it, but what it was is that I felt to have a reconciliation con concert down at town center at Lafarge Lake at that stadium. And um, I, I just felt that was the assignment that I had been given and that it would, be, it would be a Christian concert where we would reach out to First Nations and where we would offer apology and where we would celebrate um, the reconciliation that has begun and that God is going to continue and, and reconciliation between the church and First Nations and reconciliation between humanity and God. And, and we, would, we would have a time of of acknowledging the First Nation, specifically the, the Quaquitlam Nation, and also apologizing to them for, as the church, not standing where we should have been standing, not standing up when we should have been standing up. There's so much that, ever since first contact, there's so much that, as Christians, as our tribe, so much that we could have done differently. Now, these were people that previously had been invisible to me, but in a moment, God alerted me to 
their situation and to the church and something that we could do. And so this concert is, is coming up. At first, I just committed it to prayer for a, a season, and then I met with the mayor, and, and with the mayor, it was such a miracle because, anyways, he was planning on saying no. I had met him previously and said, I'm going to come talk to you about this concert. He was planning on saying no, but somehow by the end of our meeting, he said yes. And then I went and met with the chief down at Quaquitlam, and, and at first he said, no, we'll be out fishing, we can't come to that, and, and, and by the end of our meeting, just by me listening to them, I just sat there, and God said, just listen, so I just listened, 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 and then eventually the chief said, yes, I'll send my counselor, Ron, uh, um, sorry, Fred, you'll go, you'll go to, this, to this concert on our behalf, and, and so God's been, been doing it all the way along, it's something that he wanted to do, but I recognized in myself, it's something that I needed my eyes open to. It, it was a nation that I needed to have my eyes open to. I know the concert's not going to be perfect, and we'll be talking about it more. Um, it's a weighty thing to enter into this arena, and so it is going to take much prayer, and we'll, we'll talk about it more, and, and we're going to, the elders have, have supported this vision, um, even though it was given to me long before I even came here, but I did tell them about it right from the beginning, and... Um, it's something hopefully that we'll, we'll, we'll now do as a church. But I hope that it will give us an opportunity to step out of indifference. I've heard it said that the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Indifference. Because as I've said earlier, love requires action. You know, in, in Leviticus... Um, when God gives the law, he also talks about, you know, when you harvest your land, make sure you leave the edges for the poor and the stranger, right? That was under the law. Even under the law, God made provision for us to give away and bless others, especially for those who are disenfranchised, those who are strangers among us. How much more under grace can we take action? Proverbs also says, Deliver those who are drawn toward death. Hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Even Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So when we hear the calls for help and notice them, are we ready to respond? Are we ready to take action? For those of you Lord of the Rings fans, I'm sure you remem remember that when Gondor lit the beacons, um, well, actually, it was a little hobbit that lit the beacon. But anyways, when the beacon was lit... And, and the call for help went out. It went out to Rohan. And I don't know if you've seen this week on Facebook, there's a meme that shows that um, when, Gondor, when Gondor calls for aid, then uh, Rohan says, well, my thoughts and prayers are with Gondor, sending them po positive energy their way. That, that could have been one response, right? Where we, we hear the call for help and we say, well, we'll, 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 we'll send a prayer, we'll send some positive energy. There, there's one, you know, potential response to a call for help. But no, this wasn't the response of Rohan and nor should it be our response. The, 
the response for Rohan we can show um, with just a really short video here. Oh, nice. The beacons are lit, city! The beacons are lit! Good knuckles for eight! And Rohan will answer. Muster the Rohirrim. Yay! <laughs> Let's watch it. No, um... <laughs> uh, we hear the cries for help. We see so many places where the beacons have been lit. And, and what is our response? Can we say we will answer? Can we say, yes, we will freely give? I'm sure many of you are aware of so many opportunities we have to bless the nations, to, to say yes to calls for help. There's so many organizations that we, can, that we can support, that we can do even just to help internationally. I know there's many that are working to stop the human trafficking and that are saving lives that have been stolen. Our own Graham Illman works for such an organization, Ratnak, and it's, it's very easy to give to that organization to help them in this, this very, very important work. We have missionaries here at Hillside that, that we can support. We have missionaries overseas who I can't even name the country that they're working in, but who we could encourage, who we could uh, reach out to and... Um, pray for, and, and we can send resources to them. We do, and we can. My son Davey wants me to mention his favorite humanitarian group, and it's such an easy one. It's the Against Malaria Foundation. You can go to their website, and for $2.50, okay, got a th one thumbs up for you there, Davey. Stand up, Davey. This is my son Davey. If you want to know more about the Against Malaria Foundation, he is an avid supporter of it, and, and you can talk to him afterwards, but $2.50 US, you can buy a mosquito net, and that uh, prevents malaria when, when children are sleeping. Pretty easy. Just go on the website, $2.50 US. Save a life. Or we can simply notice the nations that are around us. They're here, they're in our city right now. We can move towards them, we can build relationships, and we can make a difference in their lives. This last one is potentially the most costly. It's actually easier just to, to click on a, a website and give some money. It's, it's much more difficult to um, build relationship, but we can do both. We can do both. We can ask God to show us where we're walking by in, a, in an attitude of apathy and indifference like the priest and Levite did. And we can ask him and hear what he calls us to do and answer. I want to close by just talking briefly about the power to love. Jesus invites us to imitate the Good Samaritan. And we're also told to love like Jesus loved. Jesus really is the true Good Samaritan who rescued us who were apart from God, us who was beyond all help and, and, and lying in certain death. Jesus reached out 
and rescued us and paid the full cost for our rescue. He is our true good Samaritan, and he is the one that we are asked to truly imitate. But I'm so aware of my own weakness. I find it difficult to change. I don't know about you. I find it difficult even to change my own uh, teeth flossing habits. You know, (laughs) that's a challenge. How much more changing our habit of apathy or of blindness or of not being willing to lay down our, our selfish needs for the needs of others? How much more difficult is that for us to change? I'm pretty sure the only way that we're going to be successful is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love is not a work of the flesh. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to close by just considering what happened at Pentecost this morning. And I want to give us opportunity by saying, yes, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Bless me so that the nations might know you. That's what Psalm 67 is saying. Lord, bless us and make your face shine upon us so that the nations will know you. And so when we come to God and say, Lord, fill me, it's for the nations. It is and must truly be for the sake of others and not just for ourselves. Remember before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He sends them to the nations, but he says, don't worry. First, you're going to receive power. And then we see in in Acts chapter 2, just in in the next chapter, it's recorded that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was such an incredible occasion where the place shook and and, and tongues of fire were seen and, and winds were heard and the power of God came upon them and languages were given and and joy overflowed. It was it was an amazing occasion never to be repeated. But the filling is repeated, and the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out. And sure enough, on that particular day, because of the the great feast, the Thanksgiving feast that Lincoln talked about, sure enough, all nations were gathered in Jerusalem that day. And so when they they stumbled out in this this joyful, seemingly drunken state, being full of the power of God, 3,000 were saved that day. The nations were brought and the people of God were blessed so that the nations would be blessed and the nations were blessed. We see a powerful Peter declaring an incredible message that day. 1st the power and then the reaching of the nations. I notice again in Acts 4 and verse 31 that these same disciples gathered again and they were afraid and they, and they prayed. And the Bible says in Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. If we're going to love the nations, then we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't want to challenge us this morning to love the nations without giving us an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to do so. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And as they do, I'm going to begin by praying for you. And Neil, if you would just, just, just play for a moment before we sing. I want to give us an opportunity just for quiet reflection for a moment. And then I'm going to ask you to, to stand and hold out your hands to receive more of the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I, I want to just pray a prayer of repentance. And then just give you a moment to offer your own quiet prayer to God. Because I, I don't know, I've been repenting all week. I've been noticing my weakness and my, my blindness. And I, I want to just ask God to take the blinders off first of all. And then I want to ask him to, to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that nations would be blessed. So Lord, remind me again of your deep love for me. And show me your great love for the nations. God, would you show me where I am indifferent? Where I am apathetic? And where there has been indifference and apathy, Lord, would you put love in my heart? Lord, show me where I am threatened and operating in self-protection. Change my heart, O oh God. Fill my heart with love and care for the nations. Give me a heart of listening and understanding towards the First Nations of Canada. Give me opportunity, Lord, to love the nations. Show me what you want me to do, Lord. And give me the power to do it, I pray. Just pause for a moment for reflection here and just make your own heart cry. Ask God to change your heart where it needs to be changed. I'm just going to give a few moments for this. Change your heart, oh God. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us in a place of condemnation, but you empower us. I want to ask you to stand now, and if it's your heart, if it's your heart's cry to receive more of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to invite you to hold your hands like this if you'd like to. Just to just, just show God, God, I'm receptive. God, I, I want more of your Holy Spirit in my life. God, fill me today. Bless me so that the nations can know you, Lord. Lord God, fill us with your spirit. Give us your eyes to see. Give us your heart to love.
your compassion, Lord, to care, your power to take action. Lord, I pray that you would fill us now with your Holy Spirit, God, that we could be filled with boldness, that we could be filled with love. Lord, would you bless us this day with the fullness of your spirit and would you, Lord, bless the nations through us. In Jesus' name, amen.